These are the daily lectionary comments for January the 3rd. We're going to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 63. We're going to focus on redemption and vengeance. We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. And we're going to see, uh, investigate uh, Jesus' circumcision and his naming, and also his presentation at the temple. Isaiah 63 is about vengeance and redemption. And it's about the disappointment that the Lord felt because of the lack of faithfulness of his people, but at the same time, the steadfast love that he had for them anyway. First off, the idea of vengeance and redemption. You sound like opposites, and in some ways they are, but in another way they're not. They are two sides of one coin, and that is the redemption of God's people also will be vengeance against those who are not God's people. So to rescue God's people means not only to rescue them, but also to destroy those who are their enemies. That's why this passage begins with this uh, very interesting statement. Who is this that comes from Edom in crimson garments? Edom is a stand-in for all the enemies of God. And Edom, the Edomites, had fought against Israel from time immemorial. When when Jerusalem was destroyed um, uh, by the the Babylonians, the the, uh, uh, Edomites were known to have uh, celebrated its destruction. So they're just kind of a stand-in. They're a small nation. Uh, but they're standing for all the various nations that have uh, have been enemies of Israel throughout time. And, and the one coming from Edom, uh, Edom, by the way, uh, sounds very much like the word red. So when he's coming, this one is coming from Edom, dressed you know, in crimson. Um, Edom also uh, is the um, ancestors of Esau, who had red, he was red, one of his his nicknames. So the one coming from Edom in crimson garments is God. And God is coming from Edom, having destroyed Edom. And because he's destroyed Edom, he's covered in in blood, so to speak. He's been trampling out the the vineyard and he's splattered with all the the wine uh, from the grapes but also the blood from his wrath. The coming from Edom, having destroyed Israel's enemies, is an act of vengeance against them because of their unbelief and idolatry. But it is also an aspect of the redemption of Israel. In other words, for Israel to be free and redeemed, it is necessary that their enemies be destroyed. In a very similar way, the second half of this passage talks about um, how God rescued uh, his people from Egypt. And remember, in Egypt, you had both the redemption of God's people, they were released from slavery, but you had 10 plagues on Egypt. And finally, also the destruction of, of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. So <clears throat> the day when God acts is both a day of, re- of redemption and a day of vengeance, very much like when Christ comes again. On the one hand, Christians will lift up their heads and rejoice when they see their Lord coming, but it will be a day of terrible vengeance for the rest of the world. 
those who are not God's children. So vengeance and redemption. Look at verse 5. God has been carrying out this redemption slash vengeance. And he says, I looked and there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation and my wrath upheld me. Now, this is a theme that we have heard many times in Isaiah, especially in these last few chapters. And that is, there is none who can accomplish what God has sent uh, uh, or created Israel to accomplish. Israel is not helping the Lord in bringing redemption or vengeance to the world because they have largely been faithless. So the Lord looks and sees, and he was appalled that there was nobody among his own people who could help. So he had to do it himself, essentially. After that, beginning at verse 7, uh, there's a little uh, sort of a psalm here uh, to recount. It says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord according to all that the Lord has granted us. Verse 8, it says, For he said, Surely, so having redeemed his people from Egypt, he says, Surely they are the people, children who will not deal, deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Verse 10, that they rebelled. They grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. Look at verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. This this is we have vengeance and redemption as sort of two sides of one coin. We also see that the faithlessness of God's people, but God's own love and care and faithfulness toward them are oftentimes paired together as we have here. The people, the Lord says, surely they will not deal falsely with me. But of course they did deal falsely with him. And surely they deserve for him to reject them forever. And he did reject them for a brief period but he returned to them again to be the redeemer. So we are faithless, but God is faithful. We don't deserve it, but God bestows his love on us anyway. And so we have these themes here in Isaiah 63. It's a, it's a little reflection on the way things have been between God and his people over these many, many uh, decades, um, uh, including the time in which Isaiah is living and the, and the future this is a constant pattern. God's people are faithless, even though their Lord has loved them deeply and has led them like a shepherd uh, into the valley and given them everything they need. Okay, so <clears throat> that's enough here for Isaiah 63. Okay, in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21, we have a, a pair of individuals here, Simeon and Anna. <clears throat> Simeon and Anna, both older people, and both are presented as, as very righteous individuals. And you might think of these as, as sort of symbolic or stand-ins, uh, examples of what we might call the faithful remnant. So we might think of, of Israel as having just totally fallen away. <clears throat> and they had as a whole, as the nation as a whole had failed to do uh, what God had raised them up to do. They were the failed servant. And that was the reason why God was 
was sending into the world the genuine servant. But that doesn't mean that every individual Israelite was faithless. That's not true. And we see that there is a remnant <coughs> among the people of Israel who did um, truly believe and, and follow the Lord and wait on him. And Simeon and Anna are examples. They're not the only two examples. Of course, Joseph and Mary are also examples. Zechariah and Elizabeth are also examples of those who are among the faithful remnant. And so we have, uh, we have here this other picture. Later on in the Gospels, of course, we're going to see a lot of examples of those who are faithless. We will yet see many more faithful Israelites who will see in Jesus of Nazareth their Lord and Messiah. So uh, these are not the only uh, faithful of Israel, but the faithful of Israel are indeed a minority and a remnant. Now, we all know about Christmas, Christmas, the day that we celebrate the nativity of the Lord, but there's a, a couple of other <coughs> celebrations uh, that are, are pegged to Jesus' birth. The first is, is, uh, happens on the eighth day after Christmas. You'll see that it says uh, in verse 21, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. And on the eighth day after uh, Jesus' birth, count eight days from the 25th, and you'll come to January 1st. January 1st in the church's calendar is not New Year's Day. January 1st in the church's calendar is the circumcision of our Lord and the naming of Jesus, because those two things happen together. In one sense, the circumcision symbolized the fact that Jesus was born under the law and kept the law for us. So the law required that, that uh, male children be circumcised on the eighth day, and so Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. <coughs> it's also long been an emphasis in the church's teaching and devotion on the on this subject that this was the first time that Jesus had shed blood uh, in, in, in his ministry in this world so that the blood that was shed in the circumcision is sort of uh, a, 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 a looking forward to the blood that he will shed on the cross. Well, then also, according to the law of Moses, uh, Mary would have uh, brought Jesus to the temple for herself to be purified. So a woman uh, would, would engage in certain purification rites following the birth of a child, and after the birth of Jesus, 40 days after his birth, she would go to the temple and, and be purified. And this is why the offering of the, the two turtle doves, <clears throat> the two turtle doves were sort of the, the poor man's sacrifice. A lamb was supposed to be offered, but the law of Moses allowed two turtle doves instead if you didn't have the means to offer up a lamb. And so Joseph and Mary, not being people of means, um, uh, took advantage of this, the, this less expensive offering. This happens on the 40th day. So the 40th day after Christmas is the 2nd of February. So the 2nd of February is known also as the presentation or the purification of Mary. It's another, it's a, it's a, it's a lesser known uh, celebration, but nevertheless, on that day, um, Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple. And that's where we have Simeon. <coughs> and Simeon, of course, um, sings this song. Um, the, what we call the Nunc Dimittis, now Lord. Um, and the thing that I've mentioned a number of times uh, in Isaiah's um, proclamations is Isaiah focused a great deal on the servant of the Lord as being, number one, um, a light to reveal God to the nations, 
and number two, the glory of God's people, Israel. And that's been the focus of uh, since ever since um, chapter 54 in Isaiah, all the way to the end of the book, we, we have this constant reference to the knowledge of God being spread to the ends of the earth and that the servant of the Lord and Jesus of Nazareth, the one who laid down his life, is the glory of Israel. So in other words, the, 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 the great and shining um, height and, and, and best that is to be offered from Israel is this Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, the one who did everything that Israel was raised up to do. He did it for Israel and on behalf of Israel for all the world. Okay, so um, one last thing uh, is that uh, Simeon says to Mary, uh, uh, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and a sign to be opposed. And Isaiah also talks about this. And he talks about uh, that God has, uh, has laid a stone, a stone of stumbling in Zion. And Jesus uh, likens himself to that stone of stumbling and also the capstone, which the, the builders rejected. So the stone of stumbling means that those who fight against the stone can be crushed, but they can also trip over it. And we see that many in Israel tripped over this stone because the Messiah, when he actually came, was not what they expected. And, and, and therefore, they rejected the, uh, the stone that God was laying. Um, and, and so Jesus, who should have been the uh, cornerstone upon which the kingdom of God was to be built, but was rejected by them. And so they, it, it becomes a stone of stumbling, a cause of offense.